The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Philippians chapter 1, verses uh, 12 down through 26. Let me read this to you. It has to do with what you just heard. And listen to this. This is all about being a partner in the gospel. Uh, Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. If you don't know Paul's circumstances, he was in prison. So he's in a prison in Rome, and he writes this letter, and he says, my circumstances, being thrown into prison, has actually uh, produced greater progress of the gospel. And then he explains, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. The Praetorian Guard was the main guard in Rome, and so these Praetorian Guards would have to come and sit with him one at a time or two at a time for four hours. And you can imagine what it would be like to sit with the Apostle Paul for four hours. It would be gospel, 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 gospel. And he says, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of, that is those who do it out of goodwill, do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. God appointed me to be in prison. The former, that is those who do it out of jealousy, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through, my, through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I am to, if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you, with, with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Amen. Uh, what I'd like to do is just take a few minutes to think about this. What is, a, what is a partner in the gospel? Because that's what Paul's been talking about, and he was so full of joy over the fact that these uh, Philippians turned out to be partners in the gospel. That is, what you heard this to, just a few minutes ago with Tony and Miriam, that's exactly what they are. They're partners in the gospel. They've been infected with this disease of wanting to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it doesn't seem like anything can stop that. And that's, I say, praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. 
if you in, in this passage in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 26, in this first part from verse 12 through verse 18, the first part of verse 18, this passage breaks down really simply. Paul conveys his positive attitude in the first three verses. He isn't whining. It's amazing. He's in prison and he's not whining. Isn't that something? He's in prison because he's been preaching the gospel. And he's not asking you to raise funds and bail him out or do a prison break. He's saying that my being in prison has caused the gospel to go out and to touch many more lives. And then in the second half, down in verse 18, the last part of verse 18 through verse 26, he's basically saying, living and dying for the glory of Christ is what I want to do. While I live, I want to glorify him, and I want to glorify him in my death as well. To live as Christ and to die as gain. And so what I'd like to do is take a moment to look at this. First of all, notice what he says a partner in the gospel is. A partner in the gospel is someone like Paul. This is amazing. What he does is the example he gives is himself. And he's in prison. This is where it will get you. And he didn't, he wouldn't blush about that. What you see in a partner in the gospel is a joyful servant of the gospel. And that's what Paul is. And this is what he tells us. He tells us, for example, first of all, you have to keep your eyes fixed on the gospel and the glory of Christ. That has to be your focus. It has to be what you you zero in on in order to live as a partner in the gospel. You have to keep your eyes on the, the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, let me give you, let me take a moment here and tell you how. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Here's where to start. You read Hebrews chapter 1, the first three verses, and you discover right just in this short little passage here are seven things about Jesus Christ that you can meditate on, that you can give God thanks for, that you can praise God for. You can get carried away in praising God about these things. Listen to what it says. God also, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, and in many portions, in many ways, some of the Old Testament times, in these days, since the coming of Christ, has spoken to us in a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the ages, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power, and he has made purification for our sins, and he sat down and he is seated right now at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's seven things there. You see those seven things? That he's the heir of all things, because he came to redeem us. Uh, he, he made the ages... That is, every age that, we, that humanity has gone through since this time, and from, in fact, from the beginning, was made and framed by Jesus Christ. We're told in the, in the 10th chapter of this, in the 9th chapter of this book of Hebrews, that the most important moment in the flow of redemptive history, the most important point in the history of the world, was when Christ appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so he's the one who makes sense of the ages. And so he's the, he has been made the heir of all things. He made the ages. Third, he is the radiance of, of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. In other words, if you want to know about God, look at Jesus Christ. Everything important that you want to learn about God, you learn through Jesus Christ. And then he says he upholds all things by the word of his power. How can he do that? When he was in the womb of Mary, the, the Jesus Christ was... 
controlling, upholding all things by the word of his power? Yes. And then he says, sixthly, and he made purification of sins. Don't, isn't it great to be purified? That he purified us of our sins when he died on the cross. And then finally, he is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's where he's going to be until he returns. And so this is what we're supposed to, what Paul tells us we must do, is we must keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his glory and the gospel concerning him. We sing about the gospel every time we meet. You heard the gospel this morning about his death and his burial and his resurrection. How that he died to take away your sins. He was buried and took your sins completely away from you. And then he rose from the dead so that you could be justified. Declared absolutely right with God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, keep your eyes fixed. That's what this whole section is about. Keep your eyes fixed on the gospel and the glory of Christ. I got to tell you, this is not easy. It's easier for your mind to wander and have your mind fixed on all kinds of things in this life. And you wonder, why don't I have any real deep, profound desire to please God and be involved in the gospel mission? What is it about Dave Powers that took him to Mexico to do this work of the gospel? What motivates people? It's the result of looking at Christ. You remember that the way you, you gain joy, you have joy, maintain joy in the Christian life? It's through believing and loving Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. And so this is what we have to do, be fixed, fixing our eyes upon the gospel and glory of Christ. And then you have to put the gospel first. Notice in verses 12 through 14 what he says. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. How was God going to reach the Praetorian Guard? How was he going to reach these soldiers of the Roman Empire? He had Paul arrested and threw him in prison. And so these Praetorian guard, one by one, had to deal with Paul. I mean, think of it, four hours sitting and listening to Paul tell you the gospel. And he says to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have a far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. You know, you would think, why wouldn't it cause you to be a coward if you knew that if you preached the gospel, you'd go to prison? Why did it embolden them? It was because of Paul's attitude. Paul wasn't whining. He wasn't whimpering. He was saying, this is a good thing. This is a part of the purpose and plan of God. And he's put me in a strategic spot. How is the gospel going to reach Rome? They're going to arrest Paul, and they're going to ship him to Rome, where he's going to serve a prison term in prison, and he's going to preach the gospel. So God's mission is being accomplished, Paul says. That's what mattered to him. What mattered to him was... Is the gospel, is God's mission concerning the gospel being fulfilled? Secondly, he says people are hearing the gospel. And he's just really excited about that, that people are hearing the gospel. But the third reason is that people are speaking the gospel. And that thrills him. He said, even if they're doing it in order to make me look bad, it's a good thing Christ is being spoken of. I've never heard a modern day preacher say this kind of thing. What we want to give you is a list of people you should listen to and a list of people you should never listen to, even if they're talking about Christ because they're heretical. 
Paul says, I don't, even, I don't care what their motive is. If they're speaking about Christ, people are going to hear about Christ. Kind of like what you heard Dave talk about, these discipleship relationships where people come to faith in Christ, and he had nothing to do with it. It was the, it was the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, so people are speaking about the gospel, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not concerned about their motive. He's concerned about Christ being heard, about people hearing about Jesus Christ. And then he says in verses 15 through 18 that we have to love Christ's glory more than our own glory. That's really hard, isn't it? To love Christ's glory more than we love our own glory. And so he tells us we should check our motives. Beware of jealousy and envy in ministry. And you say, well, that would never happen, would it? <laughs> Let me tell you, it happens all the time. He says, secondly, beware of the temptation to promote yourself in ministry. I one time was talking to a good friend of mine, and I said, and I was talking about I'd run into this thing where this guy had put the, his name on this church sign, so-and-so's such-and-such a church. And it got real quiet, and he said, I've got my name on the, our church sign. I said, you do? Can you imagine putting your name on the church sign? This is, this is his church? I think it would be better to say, this is the church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, don't, don't give in to the temptation to promote yourself in ministry. And then third, he says, don't be surprised if others envy you. That's what was happening to him. There were those who envied him, but it worked out that Paul was glad because of their envy. They were telling everybody about Christ because they wanted to prove that they could get along without him. And then rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. In fact, if you notice down verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. It's amazing. I listened to a preacher the other day on, on YouTube that I don't agree with about some major things. And I just listened to see if I could hear him talk about Christ. And he actually did. And I was convicted because I've been studying this passage. And he actually talked about Christ. And Paul says, I am thrilled that Christ is being spoken about. And that he's being heard People are hearing this message. And then he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You might want to fill in those blanks. To live is what and to die is what. Now what Paul's talking about is not committing suicide. He's talking about dying as a martyr in the, in the prison in Rome. And which happened in his next imprisonment. He didn't die in this imprisonment. But he was brought back to prison again the third time. Nero had him beheaded. Imagine that. And, but he says, to, to die as a martyr is gain because I'll be in the presence of Christ. If the very last thing that happens to me on this earth glorifies Christ, that's gain. And it's so well known that it was in a movie not too long ago, the Apostle Paul, if you've seen this movie, right at the end of the movie, that's what happens. He gets beheaded. The Apostle Paul gets beheaded. For the glory of Christ. And he says that the Christian's ambition has to be honoring Christ. In fact, that's what he's going to do from now on. He's going to be honoring Christ. How do we do that? By rejoicing in Christ consistently. 
I mean, this is quite a lesson, isn't it? That we should be rejoicing in Christ consistently as followers of Christ. That this is what we should be known for, that we rejoice in Christ. That we love him and we believe him, trust him, and therefore we have joy about him. We rejoice in him. And then he says, by relying on Christ completely, in verse 19, notice, it says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. You see that? He says that there's, there's both a human and a supernatural provision here. It's first in your prayers and the provision of the Holy Spirit. So pray for people who are engaged in the work of the gospel. And when I say that, I'm not talking about people in professional ministry, as we call it, but I mean believers that you know share Christ with other people. Pray for them. We should be praying for each other that God would open doors for us to share the gospel with other people. And then he says that we should honor Christ by representing Christ courageously. Now, he could say this because he's in prison and he's been mistreated. When you hear about his account of his life in 2 Corinthians, about how many times he was beaten, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was thrown into prison. He, it didn't matter to him what it cost him to, to proclaim the gospel of Christ. He was willing to take whatever came along because he knew that God was in charge. Christ was in charge of his life. And so he wasn't afraid. He wasn't trying to avoid trouble. He was sharing the gospel of Christ in every situation he could. And then the Christian's vision in verses 22 through 26, the Christian's vision is being with Christ. That's what we're looking forward to, is being with Christ. That's more important than anything else, is we're going to be with Christ. Now, that's only a blessing if you come to understand the glory of Christ. If the glory of Christ gets a hold of your heart, you know, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, cause the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ to shine in our hearts. So he valued Christ above all things, including his own freedom. And so he talks about his dilemma in verses 22. The first part of verse 23 says, But if I am to live on in the flesh, that is physically continue to live, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, death or life. And his desire, he says in verse 23, But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that's very much better, to be with Christ. But then his decision in verses 24 through 26, he says, Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this. He was actually convinced that God, if he let him stay, he would be able to use him in their lives. And so he says, Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And he did come to them again. It's amazing, isn't it? The humility of this man and the productivity of this man in the work of the gospel is so amazing. And every one of you who are believers are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be like Paul. You know, the, Paul called the, gospel, Paul, the Apostle Paul called the gospel my gospel because he preached it and wrote it. 
And if you share the gospel, it's your gospel. It's the gospel that was given to you by the Father, and you believed him, and you came to faith in Jesus Christ, and your sins were washed away, and you were given eternal life, and you were reconciled to God. And now he says, it's your gospel. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to speak it? Are you going to live in such a way that other people speak it? That's what he's telling us. And so I just want to encourage you as partners of the gospel. You are partners in the gospel. And I want you to take that seriously. I want us all to take it seriously that we are partners in the gospel. The gospel is our gospel because it was given to us by the Father. And we can tell anybody. Did you know that you're free to tell anybody this message? It doesn't matter who you meet. It's okay for you to tell them that Christ came into the world and died for sinners. And that he was buried and rose again. And everyone who puts their faith in him will be forgiven and be reconciled to God and given eternal life and become a family member of the people of God. What a glorious message it is. And it's yours. And you can share it with whoever you want to. Whoever God brings into your path, you can share the truth of the gospel with them. But watch out, because when somebody believes it, it's going to turn you upside down. When you share the gospel with somebody and they turn to Christ and believe on him and begin to follow him. Um, We're going to baptize two children next uh, Sunday, and I've heard both their testimonies. And I was blown away by just the obvious way that God had worked in their lives. That God had saved an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old by them simply putting their trust in the God of their parents. Both of them live in situations where they've watched the gospel being lived out by partners in the gospel. And they came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we get to witness it next week at 3 o'clock. And we can say, Amen. This is a pledge of a good conscience before God. And so I, wanna, I just want you to know you are partners in the gospel if you're a believer. And we need to be taking this very seriously. This is our calling. And here's the key to it. I can tell you the key. It's real simple. You have to be absolutely controlled by the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ has to be the most important thing in your life. And when you come to see who he really is, who Jesus really is, you come to discover what the testimony of Scripture is about him. It will fill your heart with great joy to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with whoever will listen. Let me pray for you to do that very thing. Our Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for Dave Powers' testimony about the way the gospel is at work in the Church of Mexico. We are so grateful. Thank you, Father, for his heart to make disciples who make disciples. And I pray for us in this situation we are in, in this comfortable situation we are in, we pray, Father, that you would motivate us to be partners in the gospel in our activity, that we would live a life in which we could clearly and openly and straightforwardly and courageously share Christ with others. Please give us opportunity this week. Surprise us with opportunities. 
just like Tony had. Sometimes it goes like that. You're talking to somebody and they force you to tell them the gospel. And I pray that you would do that for us this week, Father. That we would experience the power of the Spirit in speaking of Christ and seeing people's lives change. We ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.